Hello, my name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome to Zen Parenting Radio. This is going to be our best show ever. I just decided. <laughs> because we're, it's just not you and I. We have a guest who's not going to talk. His name is... Greeley. We have a new rabbit. Oh, boy. What do we get ourselves into? No, we we got ourselves into good stuff. Okay, so we're going to talk about Greeley, okay. the, Greeley the rabbit, <laughs> family meetings. Okay. Um, sibling rivalry. Eh, I don't like that word. Can I change that word? Let's go with sibling rivalry. <laughs> I, can I say my word? My sure. words? Family connections and life school. Brothers and sisters beating up on one another. And why that is something we need to focus on. Um, tournament of bad and making a shift. I'm going to give you the four things to make a transformational shift in your life. We always have a very aggressive schedule for the show. Yeah, I guess when I see something, I go right after it. <laughs> What's that from? That's Pete Mitchell from Top Gun. He's talking to his instructor, Kelly McGillis. Oh, okay. I don't cheesy, remember that line. Cheesy movie and line. Danger Zone? I guess when I go when I when I see something I go right after it. <laughs> oh boy. Pete Mitchell. Okay, but our focus is mostly gonna be the sibling thing, right? Yeah. And family relationships. That's gonna be the gist of it. Okay. So uh, let's start why do you want to talk about uh, brothers and sisters and family whatever the definition is? Well, because you a few things have come up in the last week that I thought were interesting and, and I kinda of was thinking about some of the presentations I've done talking about sibling rivalry. And again, I'm using your language now, um, but just about the fact that I think we're sometimes too accepting of the way our kids treat each other. Right. And when I say accepting, we do things like say, oh, that's just normal or my least favorite. The Well, the world is difficult, so they're going to have to deal with, deal uh, with it. Adversity so who and... cares if they hate each other? Okay. Okay. I'm with you. And what are you doing with the papers? I'm getting ready. Oh, Chill, okay. Will. Well, you're you're not listening to me. You're looking I, at papers. I'm zoned in. You're not zoned I'm in. I'm dialed in. You are looking at four different papers, nodding. And if I said, what did I just say? You'd say, you I don't know. You're talking about sibling rivalry. Okay. So I guess, do you want me to just dive in here? Well, I think I'm about to talk about my own experience as a uh, one of three children. But let's let you start. I'll dive in and then you give your example with this, okay? Check. So I think the thing that's important is it's not... There's no perfection in this, meaning I think it's completely normal that kids aren't going to get along. You know, I have three daughters, and they're, and I had a sister. And You you're still not, have a sister, I do. as it turns out. I didn't say had. Uh, I said we're going to have to check the tape. I think you said Well, had. maybe, but I had a sister. Or have <laughs> Screw me up. No, you did said I it twice. Did I say it twice? Yes. Okay, if I did, then I apologize because I can't rewind. I have a sister. There you go. I have three girls. So, of course, there are times you don't get along and you argue and you fight. And here's the thing. That's typical and normal, and it's actually a good experience because then you learn how to manage that. Then you learn how to use tools to um, deal with that situation and how to move out of it and how to found, find ways to be um, uh, empathetic and how to find ways to apologize and accept apologies. It's like, And that's why I said it's kind of like life school, mm-hmm. okay? Your family of origin is like your life school. And if, as parents, we just allow... Because I'm remembering a woman in one of my presentations who was telling me that her sons just can't stand each other and they can't be in the same room. And that, Now, is that an exaggeration or do you think she's being honest? Well, I think that it may be an exaggeration, but it, it's something important to focus on, okay? Because okay. I, I don't live there, so I don't know exactly what that looks like. Right. But she said, oh, my sons can't stand each other. They're never in the same room. They won't talk to each other. Okay. My first thought there is as a family, that needs to be an issue. Right. Meaning not you guys need to love each other and hug each other just because you're brothers. But let's sit down and make this a priority instead of just moving on with our lives and being like our sons hate each other. 
I agree that um, what you just said, but how do you do that? Because you don't just say, let's just figure this out. Like, how do you do it? Well, my thought is, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, but it's like family meetings or that kind of thing where it doesn't have to be like, okay, on Friday, we're going to have a family meeting, but it can be like, okay, boys, we're going to sit down right now and we're going to discuss this. I'm not, you're not going to judge and yell at them and tell them how to feel, but what is going on and who's not feeling heard and who is, you know, what, what is the, the argument right here? And the thing is, is instead of being the person who like, quote unquote, solves it and tells them what to do, you're like the mediator and the listener, and you're the mirror to reflect back what the other person is saying. It's like you are helping them invest in their relationship. Will they then, I'm jumping to the chase here, will they then be best friends after that? No, but maybe you will give them given them a new tool. Mm-hmm. You will have shown them and demonstrated that the relationships in the family are important, and we're not going to just continue on and allow you to um, challenge the rest of us and to be disrespectful to each other because I love you and I love you and I don't want to watch this. Well, and I think what you're saying is don't be resigned to the fate that, oh, my kids just don't like each other and then you don't do anything about it. Right. I think it's got to be... I'm just thinking about with my own kids when, when, you know, two of them aren't getting along and it it changes. With three, the dynamics are different. There really is a stopping and sitting down and going, what's going on? You seem, because I've actually been asking one of our daughters that, you seem constantly annoyed with so-and-so. Tell me what's going on. Mm. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Do you feel this way? Do you feel that way? And then she's able to say it. I'm able to give her some ideas of ways to deal with that, meaning, you know, maybe next time you can walk away or next time let me know and I can come support you. Well, I don't know who you're talking about of our three daughters, okay. but I'll tell you, um, JC is the oldest. Right. She's just turned 10. Right. And um, sometimes she's an older sister button pusher. Yes. Drives me nuts. Okay. Totally drives me nuts. And um, it's usually because, like, I get totally frustrated, but at the same time, I just know that she needs attention. Right. And there are times when I don't have the attention to give to her, but she'll right. get it one way or another, right. whether it's negative reinforcement or positive. Or right. positive. So the one thing I would like to say to our audience is that sometimes when your kid's just driving you freaking crazy, um, it's usually because they want attention and they're mm-hmm. going to get it one way or another. And they're needing something or they're feeling like they're lacking something or there's something they're, they're not being able to. They can't communicate in a typical way. So it's coming out in behavior. And it may have nothing to do with you. It may have to do with the sibling or school or something. But the bottom line is they have something to communicate. Right. And I think when you talk about the button pusher right. thing, the, the thing that I like to do with that is to, again, be a mirror. I see what you're doing. Right. And I want you to know that I'm noticing what you're doing. Not in a, ooh, I'm supporting you in this, but honey... You are, you're pushing buttons and not saying, okay, now you have a timeout or I'm going to take away this or that, but saying what's going on. Mm-hmm. No, this is when we talk about notice your kids, this is what we're talking about is not notice them when we're, we're, they're doing everything perfectly, but when they're, you know, expressing behaviors or demonstrating behaviors that are annoying or not typical. Well, JC was doing that yesterday and I don't think I handled it in a very Zen parenting way. Okay. I said, man, you got a lot of energy. She was like just being annoying mm-hmm. to her siblings and to us. Okay. And I said, just, I don't remember this. Tell me what. It was after brunch. We went brunch. Oh, and this she's, is her birthday though. I know. And I told her, go run around the block. <laughs> is that Zen? I said, well, you got a lot of extra energy. Why don't you go run? And then, you know, I say that to her a lot and she never does. 
First of all, we can't. We don't even have a block to run around. Well, you can go up We'd, the street and around, yeah. or around the park. I'm gonna have say, to say, go run around the park. Go run around the park. And it, oh, sorry, I honey. was about to say something else. You know, all your ideas are good, but I even have a better one. Okay, let's hear it. Whenever, um, not whenever, but it's weird. Siblings are weird because at home you tend to get on each other's nerves a lot, and there's rivalry. I'm thinking of me and my older brother, and you know we're competitive, and we get we used to get into fights, and we used to wrestle each other and hit each other and do all these things. But every few months, my mom would send us over to Aunt Jane's mm-hmm. and cousin David's. And it was a brutal place to go. Mm-hmm. Aunt Jane wouldn't let you eat any of the sugar cereal. She made you eat all that you had to. You had to say, "Can I be excused from the dinner?" It was like this awful place. It was different than home. That's it for was sure. different than home in a bad way. Right. And um, I, I, I became best friends with my brother because life sucked. Right. You had we, nothing else to. We had nothing else. So when you're stuck, send them to Aunt Jane's. Okay, that will be helpful to everybody. Send them to a place that they don't want to go, and they'll bond. Well... That's a great idea. And I like that in that that is the truth, is that sometimes, you know, like you said, at home when you have other options, your sibling is not your choice. But then when you're somewhere else, you're so thankful they're there. Right. I so agree with that. But see... Like when you went to your grandma's house. Didn't you hang out with your sister more often when you went to grandma's house? Well, of course, because it was she and I, yeah. So when in doubt, go visit a place that is... (laughs) And dump them off? Yeah. Well, that's my idea. Here, I like it. Thanks, honey. I think the the. Uh, are you being real? <laughs> Do you really like it? Or are you just being? I have an idea. Let's take a break and talk about. Ooh, good idea. Uh, helping hands. Helping hands maid services because we're not done with this. I got more notes. Okay. Are you telling me to move it along? <laughs> yes. Helping hands maid services. They clean our house once a month. Uh-huh. And the two women that come over do an amazing job. Awesome. And they do. They have all these. I said this on the show last week, but they have a hundred hour top to bottom, hundred bucks off top to bottom spring cleaning uh, on their newsletter, which you can find at helpinghandsmaidservices.com. Awesome. So check them out, and their phone number is six three zero five three zero one three two four. And make sure you mention Zen Parenting Radio. And then you might get a little discount. That's right. You do get a discount if you mention Zen Parenting Radio. So here's the thing. I want to go back to the life school thing so people understand the long-term importance of this sibling thing. So we are able to, like I said, practice within our homes how to deal with people. And you may have a sibling or a person in your family who you don't get along with that great for whatever reason. If it be because of your own baggage or because of what your personality is like or if it be just the nature of the circumstances. You have to share a bedroom and you can't stand that you have to share. Whatever it is. But that's kind of our practice in how to deal with the real world. And if we don't give our children tools on how to deal with challenges when someone bothers us or pushes our buttons or makes us mad, then they go out into the real world and they use the same things they used at home. Because where else would they have learned anything different? Right. Now, I'm not saying, you know, maybe they try different things. You know, I can't say, well, this they're going to do the exact same thing. But if they practice holding grudges at home, they're going to practice right. holding that in the real Got world. It. If they decide they're just going to hate somebody and I just hate them and that's it and I'm done with them, that's what they're going to do in the real world. Right. If they learn at home that a sibling or someone in the family annoys them and that, yeah, they annoy me and that's, you know, no one can tell me different, but here's how I deal with this so I don't have to suffer. Mm -hmm. Meaning here's what I ask for. Here's how I remove myself. Here's how I go run around the block. Whatever it may be, then they will take that into the real world. The thing that I worry about is when parents just tell me that they've kind of thrown up their hands. Exactly. And yeah. I think what you're saying is that you want them to, within the, con- it's never going to be perfect. No. But within the confines of the house, you want your home to be a safe place. Thank you. Where people can relax and be themselves and not worry about whether or not their brother's about to throw a shoe at them. Yes. 
So you have to work on that, and it's not because the real world is the same as the world inside the four walls of your house. But what it is is you want to have a safe place for them to come home so when they out, go out and deal with the real world and the real world goes and kicks them in the butt, they can come home and be in a good place. And that they have in their home learned some tools because on how to deal with that world that's going to kick their butt. Because right. the thing, not tools with, oh, I just have to suck it up and... and deal with it, but tools on here's what I learned when I'm mad at someone. Here's what I can do. Because if we don't talk to them about it and we don't kind of get in there and and support them and point it out to them and mirror them and validate them and normalize and all that, then they just use kind of kid-like ways of managing a relationship and they take that into their adult life. And I just... Um, oh, I get concerned when parents say to me, well, they can't stand their siblings. They beat up on their siblings. They're not nice to each other. They tease each other. But they, you know, my kids are going to have to learn how to deal with the real world anyway. So forget right. it. And like you said, the home is never going to be perfect. But it can be a place of, like you said, security. So when they go out, they not only have the tools, but they know there's a place to come back to. Mm-hmm. If home sucks because everyone treats you crappy, and the world sucks because everyone treats you crappy, then what are, we, what are we giving our kids? Crappiness. There you go. There you go. Um, here's what I'm thinking. Okay. A different angle, but <clears throat> your siblings are going to be there, be a part of your life, whether or not you are a straight, you know, they're always there mm-hmm. in one way, shape, or form. And if we can maybe nurture that relationship, and it, you know, it—I don't mean to be dismissive, but you're planting seeds for a relationship is that is going to last until one of the siblings dies. Right. So if you can make it so that obviously there's going to be some disagreements and fights and all that, but if you can plant the seeds now to have a really good relationship between your children, mm-hmm. forget about you. You're out of the equation from one child to the next. You are giving them such a wonderful gift. And where I'm going is, you know, I have good relationships with both my brother and my sister. Could it be better? Yes. And could it be worse? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if we can put some more time and energy and investment of our resources to make them uh, figure out that they really are in this world together and they really can lean on each other when something happens in their 20s or their 30s and they go to their their sibling who can also maybe be their best friend because i think a lot of people as we grow up we kind of uh, depending on your experience but you have um really good friends and then you got your brothers or your sisters and mm-hmm. sometimes many, it overlaps many times they don't overlap sometimes, at all sometimes they don't like yeah. I, somebody i i work with he barely ever talks to his brother Right. And, you know, he talks to him like once a year. And it's not like you have to always be best friends with them. But if you can maybe nurture that relationship and set them on a path to really kind of lean on each other. And I think you've talked about how sisters are, are such a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I understand in that. Because you're not I a have girl. a sister, but I'm not a sister. Right. And um, so I don't know. Well, here's what I, I want to say. Because a lot of parents uh, do things like, you have to love your brother because he's your brother. I heard that all the time. Okay, now... Even though, because this is kind of what you're saying, but here's the deeper part of it. Yes, there's some truth to that. But you don't just, if someone's treating you poorly or beating you up or someone's driving you crazy, you don't just say to them, well, you got to love them just because they're your brother. You say, or it's not even about the words. It's, I understand your brother's driving you crazy. And brother, I see you driving him crazy. What are we going to do here so you guys can live? Because this is a home 
that our bottom line is a peaceful place to live and a place where we respect each other. And even if we annoy each other, we either talk about it or we ask for help or we figure out ways to deal with our own difficulties with it. We we don't just keep we don't make that our norm because mm-hmm. this is not what's going to happen right. in our home that's kind of language that you and i use a lot with the girls and it's there's not like one sentence but i'm very clear about what's important to me in mm. this house right. as far as you know a sense of peace and a sense of getting along and yes you're going to get frustrated and everything but that's not it mm. we continue and we say what can we do about this how can we do this differently next time why did this happen what responsibility did you take for this right. so i guess the inauthenticity of just saying to a child, you need to love your sister because that's your sister. You need to love your brother because that's your brother. There's a truth in it, but you have to go deeper than that. Because the surface doesn't mean anything. And for some reason, my dad's popping up. Like, I remember my dad saying, hey, that's your sister. You need to, you know, watch out for her. That's your brother. You guys make mm-hmm. sure you stick up for one another. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I heard those messages, but I remember them being, it doesn't really carry the weight that I think he meant it to carry. Right. You know what I mean? I well, think- was he teaching you? how to have a good relationship them or with them or was he just telling you to do it i think his intention was the first thing mm-hmm. but he was just telling me right so um i was going to say something else but i don't remember what it was well here's the deep thought about it mm-hmm. teaching your children to have a good relationship with each other as you and i always talk about if you have a two parent household to have a positive relationship with your partner and fight in a fair way and when we say fair, we mean not going after Achilles, not trying to intentionally harm each other, not trying to win all the time. You can disagree, which mm-hmm. we do, but how do you argue in front of your kids? Do you fight and then just have all outs, your dad's a jerk, your mom's a jerk? Or is it an argument where there's a discussion and a resolution? Respectful disagreements. Respectful disagreements. And how do we get along as a whole, as a mm-hmm. family? How do we treat each other? Again, you are role modeling. Right. So a lot of times when people come to me with sibling issues and arguments and fights. They're fighting. They're uh, screaming at their husbands. There, there is some things going on. And not all the time. So people who are like, no, that's not it. It's not all the time. But that's one thing you want to look at. It's one thing you want to act. You want to. Or how do you treat. You know, you're, maybe it's not with your partner. But you're not very nice to your mom or dad. Or you're not very nice to your sisters and brothers. Like, how are you. Right. What kind of relationship? are you demonstrating to them well one i don't know where i read this it was just in the last week but they the i think it was a dad and he was talking about how to handle certain situations when one child is being mean to the other child and you know we get we all get caught up in emotions and they do do-overs like oh you just told your sister to shut up and slam the door or something like that you get a do-over how would you like to do it again you know it's just some simple things because we're all going to slip up. We're all going to make right. mistakes. Maybe you do a do-over saying, I heard what you just said to your sister. You want to try that again mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, that's it. And that's one of what I mean by like stepping into a situation is when you hear it, don't be like, oh, I'm not going to get into that. You know what? It's not about going in and solving it for mm-hmm. them. Right. That I don't really like to solve my children's problems. But if I'm hearing disrespect in my home... It's deeper than just my kids are fighting. That's not what this home is for. And like one thing that I try and point out to the girls is a lot of times they don't want to share something. And if it's something that's like super hugely important to them, I would never think they should they should share. Right. You know, like one of them wants the other one stuffed animal or ice cream cone or something. No, you know, that's theirs. 
But if it's something like, oh, I want to borrow your markers, and the other one says, no, just they're mine. To be, just to be mean. Just to be mean, or just in that kind of mine yeah. way, like, you know, I don't want you to have them. Yeah. I always look at the one who said no and says, I just want you to understand that if you are going to choose not to share with them, they will make similar choices when it comes to you. And if you, so you are creating your own situation here. If you are going to say no, then you will have to expect that she will probably so say no to you. So basically what you're do- doing is being a mirror to them. Exactly. So they can, um, you know, in a child's mind, something, sometimes they don't think of the ramifications they don't connect the dots. of their decisions. Yes. And what you're doing is you're holding a mirror to them yeah. saying, and, and what's important is you're not saying, hey, give that to uh-uh. her. I'm not making her share. Sometimes when I'm really frustrated, I will make them share, but it's very rare. Well, usually it's something where it shouldn't be theirs in the first place. Like well, if they're like holding it as theirs and we're like, now wait a second. Well, that's... sometimes it's like headphones. Like these are the headphones that you got for your birthday. Right. And they are Theirs. That's what I mean by are, special things. Right. Right. Whereas if it's, whatever, an apple from the grocery store, right. then that's, some, that's not right. theirs. That's communal family stuff and especially stuff like that like you know you cut up an apple and one of the girls takes four pieces and the other one get two no it's mine no yeah. i just cut up this apple it'll be divided evenly so again whenever todd and i are giving examples you got to use common sense right. and you have to use balance is that there's no one way it's not like i say okay you can have those four apples like sometimes you do say no right sometimes you don't intrude meaning they're kind of having their own argument and they're not being disrespectful. They're just arguing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they work it out themselves. But I walk in and start mirroring when I hear things that not just make me uncomfortable, but that are disrespectful or things that I would never say, right. meaning um, hurtful things. Right. That's what I'm, you know, just too hurt. I know, because then it spirals. Because if you don't insert your teachable moment, then all of a sudden the tables will be turned two hours later and then there's a lot of retaliation yeah mm-hmm. exactly so if you can nip it in the bud early and can it be like for those of you who are like Ugh, you know i don't want to go in and do the teachable moment can you just be a reflection yeah. can you just intervene not in a, i'm going to solve this way but in a, i want to i want to tell you what i just heard but i think a lot of times what i sometimes i just react when they're when they're arguing and they're not asking me for help. They're no. just arguing with one another. Right. And sometimes I will insert my dominance, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. saying, hey, I'm not in the mood to deal with this. You guys figure, I need you to figure this now or else you, you're both going to your room or whatever it is that I say. I was going to say, I've never heard you say no, that before. I, I, but whatever language I use. <laughs> okay. Um, but many of the times I let them argue it sure. out. Sure. And so, you know, it's not one steadfast rule. It isn't. And you know your kids and you know when something's minor and when something's big. Right. You, in this, and that's why there's no way there's, you know, as we always say, there's no steadfast rules to any of this because you know your kids. Right. And you know when it's getting disrespectful and you know when it's getting out of hand and you can tell when someone's getting hurt and you can tell, you know, and again, it's just all about reflection and it's all about instead of I'm going to teach them how to do this, I'm going to solve it. It's going to be, I am going to come in and, you know, like some of my, sometimes I just come in and say, okay. Tell me what's going on here. Like, let me just be the mediator. Or, what's yeah, going on? Open-ended question. Yeah, tell me what, you know, Cameron, you're really upset. What? Why are you so upset? Because of blah, 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 blah. Skyler, what do you think happened in right. this situation? So I'm not going to be the decider. Right. I'm going to just kind of get it out on the table. You're going to be the vehicle of communication when they don't have the ability to communicate between themselves. And you know what the solution is sometimes? 
What? Get away from each other for a little bit. Right. You know, why don't you guys go take a breather? There's nothing wrong with walking away from a situation when it gets too heated. There's not, You don't have to solve it in that moment. You don't have to make someone the bad guy. Right. Sometimes there is no bad take guy. Take a break. Yeah. It's just take a break from each other. Or just send them to Aunt Jane's. <laughs> or grandma's. Okay. What's or our grandma's. next um um, well, I want you to talk about the family meeting, but first I want to talk about our second yeah. partner, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Dr. Kelly, she adjusts me and she adjusts you. Yes. And our three daughters. Yes. And we've been going to her forever and she's awesome. Forever? Well, three just, years? just short of forever. Yeah, just short of forever. Um, and I feel like I wanted to say something about them. I got my little sheet here. Uh, first of all, their website is chirotree.com, 630-941-8733. Um, Free half-hour massage if you go in there for a first-time visit and you say Zen Parenting sent you. Awesome. That's worth it in itself. So give Six, her a call. 630-941-8733. Okay. I wanted to say something before we go into the family meetings. Okay. Remember the movie we watched this weekend, the uh, the Edward Burns movie called oh, yeah. She's the One? Yeah, yeah. So totally old movie, you guys, from the 90s. Jennifer Aniston, Cameron Diaz, Edward Burns, and his old girlfriend. There's actually a lot of hot women. I mean, attractive women <laughs> in that movie. Maxine Cameron Baines. Diaz. Who's the girl that can't act? Ed uh, her name her name is Maxine Baines. She's very attractive. Yes. Uh, Jennifer Aniston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's her name? Uh, Pete. Pete. Amanda Pete. Amanda Pete. Mm-hmm. She's Rock's funny. Solid. I like her in that movie. Yeah. So the reason I bring up that movie, and he also did another movie. Was it called The Brothers? Brothers McMullen. M- McMullen. And he, Edward Burns has similar themes. Those are the only two movies that I can think of. And the, and the actors are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Maxine Baines is in it. And that dude who we love, who's Francis. Francis. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know who he is, but he cracks me up. He's the best mean guy So ever. what's important in those movies are the family relationships. Like what the brothers are like with each other. And I think the message he's trying to convey is whatever was happening in childhood continues. Right. And so that's the thing about siblings. Is sure we grow up and we become adults and, you know, maybe we're more mature about things. But underneath, we're not. And we're still competing. And we're still trying to one-up each other. And we're still trying to show up each other. And what I loved about the movie, you know, made me think about the sibling thing again, is like... For as awful as those two guys treated each other. They kept coming back to and one another. They would always meet for like a beer and yeah. talk about it. Or they'd go to each other's houses. They never After stopped. like the one would kick the other out of the yeah, apartment. He would still go over there and see him. Or like at the very end when they're just like having a beer and they had been through all of that. Yeah. And, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, it, I don't need to go into the movie. It's just stuff with women and yeah. dating each other's girlfriends and just awful stuff. And the dad, John Mahoney, is a piece of work in yeah. that movie, too. He's the one who taught them how to treat each other this right. way, basically. His solution for having them deal with each other was to put on boxing gloves and have a boxing match. Very old school. But he does make the – he does point out – to Edward Burns' character, you do you see why your brother's treating you this way? You always needed to beat him. You never let him, you know, rise up. Right. And you, so don't act as if you're all innocent in right. this. Because exactly. everybody plays a role and takes responsibility. So it has kind of a deeper message and same with the Brothers McMullen. So again, because you guys are 90s, 80s people like us, maybe you've seen those movies. Oh yeah, what's that Facebook page you just told me to like? Um, eight kid, 80s Kids Rule, I think it's called. It's awesome. And 80s Kids Rule. 80s Kids Rule. rule. It's and, a Facebook page, and it's awesome. And Noreen told me about it, I think. And I love it because it like has pictures of you know, toys we used to have. Garbage pail kids. We used to have. So anyway, so um, now so we can go on. So you had a spontaneous family meeting um, when we were in Galena last week. Yes. And it was about the word smart. Right. And we don't have to get into everything about it. But okay. But you basically just decided that instead of 
having a Friday night be your time of family right. meetings, um, when you have a inspiration to talk about something, you're just going to do it. So you did it. We did. And, and you talked were about we at lunch. Where were we? We were in Galena having lunch or something. Yeah, we were sitting. And at it the was table. A, it was just a, without getting into it. You just talked about the word smart because. Our kids are starting to say, oh, they're smart. Right. I'm not, or whatever. Yeah. They haven't really declared themselves to be not smart, but they're definitely starting to compare. So Kathy was on a roll with the whole smart thing, <laughs> and Skylar, our five-year-old, interrupted and said... In my first two minutes of talking. Said, can I get some water? <laughs> and then I think you At the very end, kept she, on talking. Yeah. She said... Yeah, but can I get some water? So I don't think it quite sunk in. But it probably, maybe it well, did. Well, and that's the thing. As I said, Skylar, I hear you, but I'm talking right now. There's something I want to say. It's only going to be a few minutes. Because that's the key. That What I realized with the family meeting idea, I love the family meeting idea. Stephen Covey is the first one who taught us that, mm. I think, um, from his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families. And I loved that idea. But the truth is, when you have children our age saying, hey, we're going to have a family meeting, they, initially, when we tried it, they got afraid. Yeah, Remember, like something they were bad like, happened. And or... we're like, nothing bad happened. And then they were bored immediately because they didn't know how long it was going to well, take. Well, you just, you feel like you're about to get lectured, which you are. You kind of you are. You kind of are. So yeah, family re- meetings are brutal. So my thing, instead of let's sit down and do this on a Friday where they're going to like just be like, oh my gosh, and numbed out Maybe to it. Maybe we shouldn't even say it's a family meeting. Maybe we should just say Fam- let's talk about the discussion, word smart. Family Yeah, or whatever. But I was just trying to get their attention. Like, give me five minutes. I'm going to point something out. Give me some feedback, and let's be done. Like, I didn't want to keep you going on. You had another on idea on. for the next family meeting. What was the word you wanted to Creativity. talk Creativity. Ah. I, I just wrote a blog um, on Chicago Now last week, actually, about creativity and how, um, you know, this process of getting older, what you realize is you end up kind of going back to the way you were as a kid, if you're lucky. Meaning, I think that once we're in this afternoon of our life, we start to realize who are we. That's always the question of, you know... Uh, you and I started kind of having it around 30 is what are we doing? What are we meant to, you know, what are we meant to do while we're here? And I'm finding that now I'm 41, that I'm getting back to how I was as a kid a little more. Like the fact that we have this rabbit, like I loved animals when I was a kid and I had kind of gotten away from that. And the fact that when I was a kid, I considered myself highly creative and I don't mean better than others. Right. Just the only thing that made me happy was creativity. Unfortunately, I got into school and I really wasn't. Yeah. I really wasn't better than others. Meaning when competition took hold, I wasn't the best artist. I wasn't the best writer. I, I was fine. But all of a sudden it becomes, oh, that person's a writer, not you. That person's an artist, not you. Well, I think every kid has this moment of, oh my, because, you know, in most households you grow up thinking that you are the best at everything because you are just so supported when you're a baby. Right. And then all of a sudden you get into a race when you're in second grade and you've always kind of beat your dad because your dad would let you win. And all of a sudden you get these kids flying by you in a race from one end of the schoolyard to the other. Right. You're like, wow. Maybe I'm really I'm, not that good. Maybe I'm not that good. So I think every kid must go through that. And uh, the idea is to just support them once they come back and realize that they're not... Because nobody's the best at anything. No. And there's no such thing. Even someone who is the best is may not be the best the next day or could be the best but then isn't the best. Right. You know. And the thing is, is that's the whole point of creativity is creativity is not a competitive or comparison... Um, how do I say this in a better way? There's no need to compare or compete when it comes to creativity because creativity, and I'm going to use, we've been talking a lot about Brene Brown. I don't have this completely memorized, but as she talks about by nature, we are creative beings 
my belief system, it is our divine right. That's who we come in to be. Everything about us is creative. Uh, what we decide to wear, what we decide to say, do, our imagination, right. what we what we do for a living, everything by nature is creativity. And if we start to believe ourselves not to be creative or we start to follow other people's story and other people's belief systems, then our creativity, like you said, gets smashed out of us and then we have a huge hole and we try and fill that hole with other things. And we don't have to compete or be the best to be creative is, is the bottom line. And I think somewhere along the line in my life, I lost that because I felt as if it was no longer a uh, a descriptive for me. When right. I realized, actually, it's as descriptive of everybody. You probably latched on to some other words you thought you were good at and you, you kind of let go of that word when, in fact, it was always there. But you didn't right. believe it. You didn't nurture it. You I didn't... started focusing on knowledge. Right. And not real. And then in the last 10, 12 years, I've been kind of separating from knowledge and not separating and saying it's bad, but saying knowledge can only take you so far. Right. And then you got to get back to yourself and get back into creativity. So with the girls, next meeting, I want to talk to them about the creativity is not about your last piece of art and it's not about your ability to write a good story. Creativity is the nature of who you are. Right. And, and if you don't worry about comparison, don't worry about who says who's the best, you are creative, period. Because when you use the word creative, the first thing I think of is what you just said. Yeah, art you know, and writing. Art and Music. Yeah, composition class, whatever. And, and they are, meaning that that's not wrong. But we will sometimes say, they are creative, I'm not. Everybody is creative by nature. Right. And so there may be some people who excel who are more noticeably creative, meaning it becomes, you know, they become an actor or they become, but you have to be creative in your own life. Even you're a salesman. Yeah. Don't you have to be creative constantly? Yeah. You got to decide how you're going to approach a new customer and yes. you got to use your brain to distinguish between what you think may work and may not work. So it's all about the definition of what you think creative is. And that, thus the next family meeting. I <laughs> want to help them understand that definition. I'm sure. The girls are excited. Yes. Well, like we said, we're not going to prep them for it we're just going to dive in so my next thing that i want to talk about is an article that i read in this really good magazine called pathways to family wellness yes it's a great magazine great magazine and the title of the article is why and how do we shift and it's about having transform transformational shifts in your life and i'll try my best to summarize this and then i want your two cents okay so basically it's all about um you know, during maybe a moment of reflection, you kind of have a feeling that there's something more than your day-to-day existence. Yes. Okay? Uh, but sometimes it's get, it's it's tough to um, even have that realization because you get so bogged down with from one day to the next. So, so you're caught in the monotony So of this day. article is about what you can do to put yourself in a position to have a shift and have this aha moment. Okay? And a lot of times the aha moments come from a result of tragedy or sadness like you know, somebody dies or you mm-hmm. lose a job or something like that. You know what happens in those moments? This what? is my what? belief system. Time stands still. Right. So you realize the present. Right. When you are traumatized in a heavy way, you are you are brought down to earth, grounded, and you feel the, the now. Right. And so that's why it's so ingrained in us because we were actually present in that moment. Well, and, try to, and to try to give it a different language, it's about um, having a view of the world that is that we're all connected mm-hmm. versus that we're all separate. Okay. I mean, really, that's what it is. You're trying to get from, you know, we talk about Zen Parenting Radio. We're talking about getting from, hey, we're not all in this uh, by ourselves. We're in this with our brothers and sisters and everybody around us and nature and everything else. Okay. So, um, they have, so they interviewed 60 masters from different world traditions to talk about what you need to do to at least be in a position for a transformational shift. Okay. These are the four things. Intention, attention building new repetitions, 
and guidance. So intention is basically I have the intention to to feel grace today mm-hmm. or I have the intention to have something magical happen You today. have to set out with an understanding of what you want. Right. And if people who just wake up and say, well, I'll just see what happens, you don't have an intention. So I think intention is just being open to the possibilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Attention is doing things like not watching the 6 o'clock news. Yes. And turning off the TV and going for a mindful walk and doing... You, you need to put your attention on things that might have more of a feeling of connectivity versus being more separate. From and you know, I have one that I can say sure. to you is that what I loved about spring break is that I got disconnected from social networking. And when I say that, I don't mean that I never, ever went on. That's not true. We, we did for our Zen parenting, um, whatchamacallit, our March Madness Tournament thing. of bad March Madness. And you know, I liked a few things and, and this and that, but I wasn't on that repetitious cycle. Right. And it was so wonderful. And you realize that nothing really happens anyway. You think that you're on it and you're like on top of things, but you're not. And to be able to walk away, and you and I did a ton over spring break, which maybe we can't typically do on Mm -hmm. your average day. But the importance of leaving the computer for a while, the importance of going and, and, you know, making sure you get your exercise, making sure, and I love, now I get to play with the bunny, you know, do something different to break that up. Now, I work from home, so people who are at the office right now are like, I can't do that. But you can leave your desk. Well, what's interesting is a friend of mine named Craig Burma, um, I saw, I don't even talk to him, but we're just connected via Facebook now. And he, um, for Lent, he gave up news. Oh, and, that's awesome. And social networking and, you know, any of that. So mm-hmm. he still worked, but, and his, you know, Easter was yesterday and he realized that the realization he had was nothing's different. Nothing's different. You know, uh, yeah. the fact that he... He didn't miss out. He didn't miss out Didn't on lose anything. anything. Right. Yet we think it's so important to make sure that we're on top of the news. That we're connected. Or that we're so connected. Well, and connect one more thing about sure. that, because I want to be clear. That doesn't mean social networking's bad. Right. It means you find a balance with it, because we get addicted to it, too connected to it, and it throws us away from ourselves. Right. What you're talking about is how do we make a shift? Mm-hmm. We recognize that balance and walk away for a bit. You can always go back. Right. You know, there's nothing black and white. So anyway. Um, The third one was building new repetitions. And I highlighted the word neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. And you seem to have a better understanding of that Well, we've talked about it on the show before. Talk about it again. Well, neuroplasticity is just understanding that our brains are malleable, like they can change. Uh, there used to be a time that there was a belief system that our brains were static and that once they were set, they were set, and there was no way to change that. We now know that there's something called neural pathways in our brain, and we, and many of them are very in deep. It, think about it as a literal pathway, like a walkway, and many of them are very deeply embedded, mm-hmm. and so they become our rituals and the things we do and the things we believe, and they're very deeply embedded. But even with them being embedded, you can all always learn something new. You can always try something new, even your thinking, the way you think, what you focus on. And again, those pathways may not be as deeply embedded, but the more you do them, the deeper they get. And you can change your brain chemistry. You right. can actually change the the way your brain functions. And that's called neuroplasticity. Um, it, when you were just talking, it reminded me of my favorite author, Eckhart Tolle, who wrote A New Earth. And the the phrase that I struggle with uh, the most in in that book was that he would say that you need to have an that you know you're getting closer when you can have an awareness of your thoughts. Yes, and that was very weird to me because how do you have an awareness of your thoughts? But if you can kind of step back and look that everything that you're thinking isn't necessarily true, true, or who you are, or anything, if you can maybe just separate what your thoughts are and have an awareness behind them it is and i struggle with that for a long time and i think i'm slowly 
getting the understanding of what it was he truly meant on that. Well, and think about it this way. the Having an awareness is the an essential first step before making any change. You right. can't make a change until you've made, you have an awareness that something may need to change or that something doesn't feel right. So when someone says to you, because I say this to people a lot, it's just great that you're aware of it. Right. Maybe you haven't done anything, but at least you're aware of it. I'm, it's not blowing smoke or trying no, to make someone feel better. a huge step. It's huge. And then once you have the awareness, then you can make a different choice, which starts to lay that new neural pathway. Right. And then you can start to choose that path every right. time you go down. Okay, so the last one, uh, the first three is intention, attention, building new repetitions. The last one is guidance. And they say guidance can be a teacher, a book. Uh, Zen really, Parenting Radio. Zen Parenting Radio. <laughs> so you need to kind of fill your soul with some new information, I mm-hmm. guess, is what that's saying. So New information that feels good to you. To your I heart. think sometimes we don't give enough credit for things that feel good, and we say, well, if it feels good, it's either not true or I'm missing something. And the truth is is that your body doesn't lie to you, mm-hmm. and that if something feels good, I mean, this is for an aware person, right. you know, um, doesn't mean a bag of potato chips is good for us. It means that when something feels right, and that's gut instinct, you know that you're going down the right path right um my favorite line and this is how it closes i says i i like to think of those four pillars as wrapped in the arms of surrender Mm. and that's language that um was really meaningful to me because within all these four things you kind of need to just let go Mm -hmm. and not to always strive for Mm -hmm. okay now i want to have this big shift if you just kind of have a feeling of surrender Mm -hmm. within it it allowing allowing it and Mm -hmm. You know, maybe even changing your relationship to it. Because, mm-hmm. like, when something bad happens to me, I get caught up and I'm like, oh, why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. Bad things are, as we always talk about, are always, always going to happen. They're going to happen. It's changing your relationship with that bad thing. Okay, this is a bad thing. Now, how do I deal with or it? Or maybe noticing it's not that bad of a thing right. and that you can allow it to pass through and you don't need to solve it. And you know what I find? What, what gets in the way of my surrender? What? Needing to tell it as a story. Sometimes something happens. I'm such a word person that I'll be like, okay, how do I explain this? And a lot of times there's no story to tell. You just accept what is and you feel it instead of verbalizing. Right. Okay. So enough of the heavy stuff. Yes. Tournament and bat. Okay. Um. <laughs> I think I'm calling you out on this one. Uh Uh-oh. So if I say I'm going to be home at 10 o'clock and JC says, how many hours is that from now? Do you know what you do? What? Like right now, let's say it's 2 o'clock. Okay. You go 2 to 3, 3 to 4, 4 to 5, 5 to 6, 6 to 7, 7 to 8, 8 to 9, 9 to 10. Correct. And I have told you it's much easier to say 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Right. But I can't see that in my head. But Why? Because why can't I know, why don't I know so which it's way? So if it's 2 o'clock, just start with 3 o'clock and count up to 10. I know, but that doesn't work for me. I can't see time that way. I can only see time the way I see it. It's So how do you see it when you say 2 to 3, 3 to 4? I see it as an hour. I see it as a clock. When she says, I'm going to be <laughs> home at 4, I say 2 to 3, 3 to 4, that's 2 hours. I see a clock in my head. Can you try right now, just for kicks, say, I'm going to be home at 4 o'clock. Can you say 3, three four. 4? I can do that, but that's not the way, that's not my natural instinct, and there's no reason to change it, even though you think it's funny. You always make fun of me when I do that, and you get annoyed, and you kind of roll your eyes, but I don't care. I mean, I love you, and I'm not that's like, I care, about, I care about what you think, but that's not something I feel like I need to change in myself. Do you think I need to change that? No, no, because we're not all perfect. Oh, thank you, I'm not. But here's the other thing. I. That's why I don't... I don't understand. I don't know if this is the same thing, but directions, north, south, east, west. I know what they are. I see them on a map, but I can't, I, I can't understand them the way that you can. And I, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think I just need different tools, like counting time differently. Right. And, you know, GPS. This, okay, 
Oh, that's a total another tournament of bad. But when the GPS is telling you to go one direction and then the arrow's going the other direction and you'll be like, no, you're supposed to go left. And I'm like, but the arrow on the GPS is going right. And you're like, yeah, but it's upside down pointing south. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that makes no sense. So I'm trying to follow this picture, but don't follow the picture. Follow the north, you know, duh. Like make it so someone like me can get somewhere. All right. Okay, thank you. Um, Second entry into the tournament of bad. Okay. There's, I've noticed on certain packaging at the grocery store, it'll say no high fructose corn syrup. And it has nothing to do with high fructose corn syrup. Like chips or something. No, no. It's like a loaf of bread. Right. Like, why would a loaf of bread have no high fructose corn? Like if it's Sprite or Diet Sprite or something where I think, oh, well, maybe it has it, maybe it doesn't. But they're labeling these things as it's a good thing that this bread has no high fructose corn syrup. Well, why would that... doesn't white bread have high fructose corn syrup? I don't know. I think it does. And it's just not about bread. It's about something that has nothing to do well, with... And that's what I mean about chips. Like, sometimes it'll be a bag of chips and it'll be, like, organic. And you're like, they're chips. Yeah. I really don't care. That's not what I'm looking for. Or, um, you know, again, I can't think of... Or, no, that's not right either. I just think that there's a lot... Like, they're trying to prey on the fact that this... Yes. Go ahead. Whatever the buzzwords are yes, in the moment. Yes, exactly. Right. Like, who cares? I don't I, I, I don't care about that. Right. And the interesting thing is, is the buzzwords don't even mean that much. Like, when you can say something is natural, mm-hmm. it, natural doesn't really doesn't mean, mean anything. anything anymore. And organic, it's not fully organic. It's just got to be a percentage of organic. Right. And so we have to be... Unfortunately, we have to be very well educated in what these buzzwords mean or else, like you said, we fall prey. So you think there's high fructose corn syrup in white bread? Isn't isn't there? I don't I know. I mean, isn't there a ton of sugar in white bread? Yeah, but I feel like it's regular sugar, not high... Uh, whenever I think of high fructose corn syrup, I think of pop or soda if you're on the East Coast. I agree with you, but I think that unfortunately that's what's happened to a lot of our foods is we're using chemically created sugar instead of real sugar. Like is there high fructose corn syrup in my mini-wheats? Probably, really? unfortunately. Yeah, and, and you know, here's the thing, Todd. Talk about words. It may not be high fructose corn syrup, but it's another word like xanthan gum, which means the same thing. I don't know if that does, but you know what I mean? There's like right. 50 words yeah, that mean word sugar it. from corn. Right. And so you have to know all those words. Okay, so we are doing the Tournament Bad March Madness, uh-huh. so make sure you vote. And we're going to give a shirt away today or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this. But we're going to do... Or a book. Yeah, we will post it online who has won a shirt, but we're not done. We're not done. We're going to keep we're going. We're going to keep going, but there's so going to be more than one winner. Keep voting. Keep voting. And so Tournament of Bad, just vote, and you are entered to win. And we love it when you like our comments, but we love you even more when you share our stuff. And let me tell you why. This weekend, we found out that on Stitcher, which is like a podcast application, one of the best ones, I think, we were on the most shared list of all podcasts in the whole entire world, Mm -hmm. meaning not just the parenting and family. We're always pretty high on that. We're always like eight or nine or whatever. But we were like, out of every podcast, like including like Diane Sawyer and, you know, Brian Williams. We were above Diane Sawyer. We were above Diane Sawyer. I mean, so again, that's about most shared, meaning people like shared it on their own page so keep doing that please by the way diane sawyer attractive older woman she's beautiful you know why simple i don't remember when she was young but she was probably even more attractive she's gorgeous do you know that she was in the nixon white house she was one of the um women who was that what's it called when you go on the the plane with them you are part of the press corps okay and then it was interesting he wanted her to stay with him after he was 
ousted after he resigned resigned and she her she remembered what her father had told her that you don't just hang around for the good times you, mm, you hang around for the bad you, you hang around and so you, she she stuck with she him. stuck with him not necessarily as his person right but she continued to work with him in other capacities right. and i i saw that on a master class and i thought wow that's really... on the oprah channel by any chance <laughs> it was shocking yes okay um, and then you have two books that are really good. Self-aware Parent 1, Self-aware Parent 2. Go to my website, kathycadams.com. And we're always willing to come do a book club presentation to you and your group as long as you live in Chicagoland area. That's right. We like to go places. We went over 47 minutes awesome. long. Free yourself. Free yourself. Uh, That's what our shirts say. Bad. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.